Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to cop that style, but they stay frostbitten. You are now tuned to the sounds of MaximumFM.ca. It is your man, DM Cool, and this is Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Pop up at a rock spot, and I'm right away, go. We in bitten airwaves. Cool! Yes, y'all, we have another hot show lineup for you tonight. But before we get to that, this is my man, Childish Gambino with Redbone, only on Cool Radio. Yeah. You're listening to Maximum FM Hip Hop. Indeed you are. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. It is your man, DM Cool, and this is Cool Radio. Once again, that was Childish Gambino with Redbone. Um, but yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I'm so glad to be back on another Friday night edition of the show that you all know and love. And uh, if you ain't know, you better ask somebody. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! That's word to the road dog, Jesse James. But yes, as I mentioned before, we do have a very uh, hot show lineup for you tonight. In fact, so hot that the Wankster of the Week segment will be pushed to the middle. Not only that, but we have basically two Wanksters of the Week. We have your regular one, but then we have your honorary or dishonorary Wankster of the Week. And that will be Jason Whitlock for his comments towards LeBron James and racism as a whole. I will be breaking that down at the 845 mark. Uh, But before we get to all that good stuff, man... I got some stuff to get off my chest, as I do each and every week. So on that note, I think it's time to let that ish breathe. Let this bitch breathe. Yes, so as we all anticipated, Friday, or sorry, Thursday, June 1st, that was the day that the uh, Clash of the Titans would ensue. And I'm talking about the NBA Finals rematch that we've all been waiting for, the three-peat, the trilogy, the thrilogy, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the rubber match between the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And it looked pretty uh, competitive after the first quarter, but from midway second quarter and onward, it was a ish show, to say the least. Uh, the score at the end of the day was 113-91 to for the Golden State Warriors. Kevin Durant had a huge game, 38 points, 8 rebounds. Can't remember how many assists he had. Speaking of which, Stephen Curry had 28 points and 10 assists on his end. And the team only had four turnovers throughout the entire game. That is insane. That is mind-boggling. Only four. That, that's crazy. But nonetheless, uh, Cleveland, they struggled out the gate uh, as soon as that second quarter hit. And they just kind of looked a little bit lost. They kind of looked like how they were looking like midway through the uh, second half of the season, basically. But a lot of people expected this. A lot of people are expecting this series to be a sweep. Some people are saying it's going to end in five games. Me, personally, I'm saying if the series does end uh, with Golden State winning, then it's going to end in six games. But if Cleveland wins, it's going to be seven games. That's my personal belief. Um, But with all that said, you would think that the main talk would be about the game and how Golden State won or how Cleveland lost, et cetera, et cetera. But a large handful of people... We're only talking about the appearance of the self-proclaimed bad bitch known as Rihanna or bad gal Riri. So let, let, let me let me let me uh, just dive into this real quick. For those of you who know me personally or who have met me before and we've had conversations, what have you, then you guys will know that I am not the biggest Rihanna fan to say the least. 
Um, I've said some disparaging things about her before. I've just basically stated why I have such strong ire for her. Uh, but that has actually subsided in recent years, I'll say. But I felt old feelings creep up again, you know, in terms of my disdain for her. Um, me personally, just to sum it up, I think she's overrated as as recording artist. That's just me. I know the Navy is going to come at me, so come at me, bro. Give me some more followers. <laughs> but nonetheless, like, I'm not a huge fan of her, and it just kind of annoyed me that most of the talk surrounding game one was about her and not about the actual game itself, not about the stars who participated in it and put in their blood, sweat, and tears, so to speak, into that game. But it was all about her and how she's cheering for LeBron James and how she's being such a fangirl and a groupie for him, basically. I mean, I see that enough on some of the sports shows that I wa watch anyway, but hey, that's uh, none of my business. We can all sip some tea to that, shall we? Pinkies up, pinkies up. Pour it up, pour it up. <laughs> I know that was coming. That was too easy. That was too easy. But anyways, I digress. Um, so yeah, most of the talk had to deal with the fact that she was cheering for LeBron, which is fine, be a fan and everything. And the fact that her and KD were having some sort of stare down. And I even heard one reporter say how, oh, KD is just jealous because LeBron gets all the adulation from her. So with his impressive game that he had, he was hoping that he would get some of that attention from her. Like, please. The last thing Kevin Durant is worrying about is Rihanna because at the end of the day, this guy is focused on getting a championship. So leave the bad bitches alone. You see how that's doing. You, you see how well that's doing for Tristan Thompson right now. Just leave that alone. Like, it's not that serious. Um, but yeah, like I, I'm just a little bit annoyed, a little ticked off. Um, and I'm not ticked off at the fact that she's at the game. She can do whatever she wants. Like she can spend however however much money she wants on a game or anything of the sort. That's her money. She can do as she pleases. I just hated that when someone who isn't really like a huge fan of the game, someone who's just there to be seen, becomes a headline. Now, some people would say, oh, well, what about Jay-Z? Jay-Z is different. Jay-Z is actually a huge sports fan. He's been a sports fan for as long as we've known him uh, within the rap game. This guy has dropped so many bars about your favorite athletes, your favorite teams. This guy had his his quote-unquote jersey retired at Madison Square Garden when he performed uh, in 2003 when he was announcing his retirement. And obviously, Jersey being rung up to the rafters, that's obviously a sports term. This guy owned the Brooklyn Nets, and he was responsible for bringing the Nets to Brooklyn. So he doesn't even need to be addressed. I mean, the guy, the, oh, my God. Like, the guy, he was, he's, he's known LeBron James ever since his rookie year. You know what I mean? So he's exempt from this conversation. And then some people say, well, what about Drake? Drake's a total fanboy for sports. He, he loves all teams. Da -da -da -da. But again, Drake is a sports fan. He's a passionate sports fan. The man is the global ambassador for the Toronto Raptors. Like He knows a thing or two about basketball. He's a huge fan of the Kentucky Wildcats uh, basketball program in the NCAA. The man was a guest on Mike Calipari's uh, uh, podcast. The, the guy is responsible for you know bringing in the casual viewer to, to watch the Raptor games and what have you. I mean, this guy has his own basketball tournament that he does every summer. He's been doing it for the last two or three years straight. It's pretty much our version of the Drew League. So, again, you know, don't even bring up names like 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 Drake and Jay-Z because we know for a fact they're basketball fans. They've had a history with basketball at some capacity. Rihanna, I don't know. Not so much. I mean, if you want to be the talk of the town, you want to go and socialize or whatever, you know, go over to some bougie-ass event like like the Met Gala or whatever. Like, we don't even know what the Met Gala is. No one knows. Like, can somebody tell me what that's about? 
So like, if you want to be seen, then go over there. But like, I don't know, man. It's it, it's uh, it's a basketball game. It's the biggest NBA Finals match within arguably the last thirty years. We should be talking more about what transpires in the game rather than who Rihanna's talking to right now or who's trying to get her attention. Man, 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 man. Like, who gives a shit? Like, let's talk about ball. That's what we're here about. That's what we're here for, right? Because at the end of the day, ball is life. Now, I know some of you guys are going to say, oh, you're bitter, you're bitter, or, or you're just mad because she don't want you, or no, 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 no. Listen, I could care less if she wants me or not. All I know is this. I waited an entire week. Well, let's be honest. I've been waiting since the season started. But, you know, in a more immediate time frame, I've been waiting for a week for this matchup to go down. And I didn't wait the entire week just so I could hear more headlines about Bad Gal Riri than the actual game itself. That's all I'm trying to say. But what do you guys think? Do you guys agree with me? Or do you guys think I'm being petty? Do you think I'm being a hater? Or do you think I'm being somewhat legit? Either way, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio. Either one is fine. And share your thoughts. After the commercial break, man, we're going to get into this Jason Whitlock story, this coon of a coon. Uh, I am, I've been wanting to say what I wanted to say ever since yesterday. I said a little bit on Facebook. I try to pull back a little bit because I want to save all of my vitriol or at least 80% of it for tonight. So I will get to that. But before we get to that, I got to get to my main man, Brooks, coming straight out of Brooklyn, New York, but residing in Toronto. He's actually born in Toronto, but spent some time in Brooklyn. But anyways, I digress. This track is entitled Do is produced by my man Visions. Shout out to my man Visions. Uh, we'll be right back after these messages. This is Cool Radio. Yeah. You're listening to Maximum FM Hip Hop. Yes, 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 y'all. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it's your man DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. And that was my man Brooks. And that was entitled Do. Um, now, let's get into this topic that I've been wanting to get into since, well, yesterday, really. Um, as if I didn't think that Jason Whitless Whitlock could stoop any lower, boy, oh boy, did he stoop that much lower. So, for those of you guys who don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about an on-air personality who works for Fox Sports 1, uh, keyword Fox. Uh, and basically, he made some comments about LeBron James uh, recently in regards to what happened to him. Now, for those of you know, for those of you who don't know what happened to him, uh, the story goes as follows: So his home in LA was vandalized, and the people who vandalized his home spray painted the word "nigger" on his home. And so LeBron James, uh, I mean, like the story leaked, or not leaked, but the story was reported. And then um, he was asked about it during a press conference um, gearing up for game one of the NBA Finals. And, you know, he, he sounded very heartbroken about it, um, not because of the the general vandalization, but mainly because of the fact that it was racially motivated. And he basically stated that, you know, it's hard being black in America no matter how far you've come, you know, and in this case, he's come as far as anyone could ever dream of. He's a multimillionaire. He's a superstar in the NBA. His his presence transcends that of basketball. Uh, he's a global figure, a global icon, and he's somebody who speaks passionately about social awareness. And, you know, good for him. You, he doesn't have to, but he chooses to because he's passionate about it. And you got to respect him. Like, you may not like him on the court, but at the end of the day, you got to respect what he, what he does off the court. And I, for one, am somewhat within that realm. Um, but anyways, 
So he said all that during the press conference. And Jason Whitlock, in typical Jason Whitless, Whitlock fashion, dismissed his claims um, about him feeling about him feeling any sense of racism and that he's playing the victim because of this quote-unquote social justice warrior stance that he's been taking on for quite some time. And he downplayed the entire incident, basically stating that his home being vandalized was nothing more than an inconvenience. So here's my stance on what he said and what he means by that and why it's so ignorant. So when he says that LeBron's home being vandalized was an inconvenience. He's only thinking about it from face value in terms of the financial structure of it all. So to get your home spray painted and vandalized with people tagging it with unwarranted graffiti or what have you, that's going to cost money to get it you know, scrubbed off and what have you. And so he's basically saying that because LeBron is rich or wealthy even, that he should just you know, sweep it under the rug. This isn't the end of the day for you or the end of the world, rather. Um, you have bigger things to think about, et cetera, et cetera. Now, maybe if this act wasn't racially motivated, sure, maybe you could take that standpoint from it. But because it was, it becomes more than some sort of financial inconvenience. It becomes a matter of losing a bit of peace of mind. Because you have to think about it from the big picture. That is his home. One of many homes, mind you, but his home nonetheless. For all those, for, for, you know, for whatever those people know, for, for all we know, his family could have been there for the weekend. And those vandals, you know, tagged up his house saying nigger and all this other stuff. And for all they know, their lives could have been in danger. They don't know that for sure. LeBron's a parent of three. He has a wife. He has children. Like these are the kinds of things that scare parents, especially parents of color who are or who are people of color. Rather, this is the type of thing that worries them because they have to bring children into a world and tell them that there are going to be people out there who won't like you just because of the color of your skin. I mean, this is very reminiscent of when the KKK used to post a burning cross or sorry, they used to post a cross on a black person's lawn and then burn it. Basically, their way of saying, get out of the neighborhood before we kill you, or we lynch you, or torture you, or whatever the case may be. This is no different. And Whitlock is out here downplaying it like it's nothing. And I'm so disappointed in the fact that he's downplaying it because of the fact that he's a black man. And this is the thing that I hate about black people who become rich and successful, and they feel as though because they are rich and successful that they are immune to racism. I said on my post yesterday that as discriminatory as racism is, it does not discriminate your pay grade, your social echelon, anything of the sort. When they see that you are a minority in terms of your skin color, in terms of the numbers of of people like you are within this nation, then it is going to sink its teeth into you. Racism is more than just calling somebody the N-word. It's more than, you know, teasing somebody because of the way they talk. Racism is like a plague. And it spreads, and it spreads, and it spreads, and there's almost no cure in sight. 
and they can attack you in so many different ways, whether it be through calling somebody the N-word, whether it's, you know, affecting your job performance, whether it's hazing, whether it's, you know, telling somebody to look professional because their hair is, you know, textured in a certain way. There are so many ways that racism can affect people. And obviously that act of racism affected LeBron James because he grew up with it. And despite the fact that he's now a multimillionaire, he is now being reminded of it. And that's a scary thing right there. Now, going back to uh, Whitlock, the man was trying to say how he doesn't, LeBron James doesn't have it hard because of the fact that he makes millions and millions of dollars and that people who are within that tax bracket don't have to worry about racism. There are so many people I can think of who have to worry about racism. Look at Oprah Winfrey, for example. She had to endure racism. In fact, she told a story not long ago about how her and her friends wanted to buy something from a particular store in, in uh, I guess, metropolitan Chicago. Uh, and basically... They tried to go into the store, but the, the store is closed. But it was the middle of the daytime, so they were confused. So they called the store and asked if they were closed, and they said yes. And so then moments later, they saw people who were white walk into the store. And so they decided to call the store about five minutes later and ask if the store was closed. And they were like, no, it's open. And then she basically called them out and said, well, how come you let those white people in and you didn't let us in? And... She flat out said that they're afraid of black people because of the fact that they got robbed not long ago by black people. Therefore, they're afraid of all black people who come through. And that's extremely discriminatory because just because there was one black person who robbed you doesn't mean that there's going to be more that are going to be like that. Crime, or sorry, your skin color rather, doesn't indi indicate what crime you're going to commit or if you're going to commit a crime in general. Let's move on to Barack Obama. He has received... So much backlash for his presidency, and half the time, or even 75% of the time, it was for the wrong reasons. The man was called out by Donald Trump before he ran for president, and I'm talking about Trump, in regards to his, his birth, his date of or not his date of birth, but his birth certificate, questioning as to whether or not he was actually born and raised in America. You had people calling out. Barack Obama for being a Muslim and therefore he shouldn't be president as if his religion has anything to do with his presidency at all. Even though this is a country that quote unquote allows you to practice whatever religion that you want to practice with all the religious freedoms in the world when really we know that's a crock of shit. And people are just blaming him up and down for problems just because of the fact that he's black. But he's in a high tax bracket. But again, there's no racism, right? And let's move on to something a bit more recent, you know, other than Obama, of course. But let's move back to about three years ago, and this took place in the NBA, the Donald Sterling scandal. Now, he's been a, he has been an NBA owner ever since the 1980s, and he's been owning the Clippers since then. But nonetheless, this man was spewing out the most racial vitriol in a recorded phone conversation, and when that got leaked... Stories of his racism leaked out to the public as well. That man was on the phone saying how he doesn't want his girlfriend or his mistress, or whatever you want to call her, to be associated with Magic Johnson because he's a black man. And how all these players that he's, he has employed under him, he was, he's responsible for buying them clothes and cars and houses. And how all that wouldn't have been possible if, we're, if we're, 
him and his white savior complex. But really, it's disguised as Jim Crow. But again, you know, people of a higher tax bracket who are of color don't go through racism. And that racism is only reserved for the poor. No, you dumb Negro. Racism is reserved for anyone who is of color. If you are a white man or a white woman, then you are exempt from racism because racism was instituted by Europeans for as long as we can remember. And and as I as I said before, um, in regards to racism being a plague, it has spread throughout history so much so to the point where there is no cure in sight. There's ways to treat it. There's way to com- There's ways to combat it. But there's actually no way to extract racism from the human psyche. Now, the only silver lining, silver lining in all of this is the fact that racism is taught. It's not genetically engineered, so to speak, but it is taught. So it is up to the person that is raising a child to tell that child whether or not they want to be racist, basically, in so few words. Now, I want to go to more of his idiotic spiel from that day. He mentioned the fact that he that the that LeBron brought up the the story of Emmett Till. Now, obviously, there are very wide parallels between what happened to LeBron and what happened to Emmett Till. And for those who don't know, Emmett Till was a 14-year-old boy who was mutilated and eventually murdered uh, because he allegedly whistled at a white woman. Imagine that. Whitlock was trying to discredit LeBron James for drawing comparisons to Emmett Till and how that story was much, much more worse than what happened to LeBron, which I actually agree with, but just that alone, just that alone because of the circumstances. However, it just irked my soul when he was trying to describe that story because he told it in the wrongest way possible. The man was saying how Emmett Till got, uh, the Emmett Till situation happened in the 1950s. When in actuality, Emmett Till did not live to see the 1950s. Emmett Till died in 1944 due to that horrific incident. So Whitlock, please, if you're trying to tell a story, get your facts straight. And what I don't like about Whitlock is his overall agenda towards black people, uh, not just black people as a whole, but black people who are of a higher tax bracket. So you're black celebrities, basically. And he was just basically getting at all sorts – or not recently, but he's he's had a habit of doing such things. I mean, he got at Charlemagne the God. Uh, he got at LeBron James, as we've witnessed right now. He got at Serena Williams. He made – he body shamed Serena Williams saying how – she is too muscular of a woman to be wearing, you know, such garments whenever she's playing tennis. She can wear whatever she wants. Just because you can't fit into leotards doesn't mean you should be body shaming somebody who who does. And if anything, Jason Whitless Whitlock is the last person to be body shaming anyone with this 300-pound frame. Negro, please. I mean, I think it was Charlemagne the other day who said how... Uh, Jason Whitlock is too fat to be wearing a fedora, which is a fact. And also, LeVar Ball, you know, as much as I disagree with him on a lot of things, I actually agree with him when the only thing that this guy should actually be talking about is snacks rather than talking about how black people don't know what racism is if you're above a certain tax bracket. Negro, please. At the end of the day, racism affects all. 
doesn't matter what job you have, doesn't matter what neighborhood you live in, if you are black or if you are a person of color in general, racism will always find a way at your door. Because at the end of the day, racism will never die. It will only multiply. And his coon ass, his Uncle Ruckus impersonating looking ass should look at himself in the mirror and say to himself and remind himself rather that at the end of the day, take all the cars away, take his, his career away, take everything away from him. And what is stripped down to his pigmentation is in fact that he is a black man. And until he realizes the song and dance that he's performing for his white masters, his shucking and jiving, when that is all said and done, he is still going to remain a black man. And he needs to remember that. And I want to give a big shout out to Chris Broussard for calling him out on his own show and for holding his ground on what racism is and what it isn't. And I also want to also mention to the likes of Colin Cowherd and what have you and and people like Christine Leahy. I know they're not black, therefore it's very hard for them to talk about black issues and stuff like that. But I would... I would be cautious if you hear a black man talking about his own people like that. I would like for them to actually pause for a minute and be like, well, hey, isn't this and that a third really? Or shouldn't this be that? Like something to that extent. Like I feel like they should do their best to kind of correct him, even though they don't really know a whole lot. But just at least ask him to pause and just ask some questions that might somewhat dig them out of the hole that they're already digging for themselves. That's all I'm saying. But shout out to Chris Bustar for, for, for correcting him. And as for Jason Whitlock, you're the dishonor, dishonorary wankster of the week for that. And you are just a disgusting, despicable human being in a, in a poor excuse of a black man. I don't know why Fox likes to pay people to be ignorant. But if this guy gets fired, I will have no remorse for him at all whatsoever. And it's not surprising as to why this ignoramus got fired from ESPN. I'm glad he did. I never want to wish that upon anyone. But for him, I have no remorse. But what do you guys think? Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio and share your thoughts. After the commercial break, man, we got trip talks. That's three topics in three minutes. I'm going to get down to all the topics that we're going to be listening on tonight's show. But before we do that, man, um, I got to get into some more music. This one comes by way of my man, Goliath Paul. And just in time for the summertime, this record is called Island Song. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio. Yeah. You're listening to Maximum FM Hip Hop. Yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it is your man, DM Cool, and this is Cool Radio. Uh, that was my man, Goliath Paul, with Island Songs. Make sure you check that out on SoundCloud and all that good stuff. Now, it is time for Trip Talks. That's three topics in three minutes, and we're going to hit you off with the first story of the day. And this goes by way of my man, Nas, Nasty Nas, Nas Escobar. Um, basically, he made headlines when he wrote uh, an open letter, and he's addressing so many different things happening in America and what have you. And one of the things that he addressed uh, was Donald Trump and how Donald Trump is a racist. And it kind of ties into what we were just talking about in regards to racism and what it means and you know, Jason Whitlock's ignorant, ignorant comments towards racism in terms of who is exempt from it or not. Uh, but nonetheless... Nas did pen an open letter, and he held back no tongue whatsoever. And this is what Nas said in the letter, and I quote, 
We all know a racist is in office. People can talk their shit. Comedians sound racist. People can go through their moments of that shit. But when you have the responsibility of being president and you carry on like that, you send a strong message to people outside of your group that they ain't worth shit. And then he also continues on and says the following. I don't even have time for Trump or Pence. I don't give a fuck. My my focus is on what's happening with real people in their everyday lives, how they behave, the decisions they make, and how that affects families. I grew up in a single-parent household, so I was affected by that life. But it didn't stop me. So I speak to the everyday people. I speak to everybody. If the people are bothered by it, I speak on it. If the people are bothered and want to change, I speak on that. And then he concluded by saying, my music is action. What I'm giving you through my music is my actions. So there's more of the open letter, but those were the highlights of it. Um, it's funny when you know you read that back, and it's very reminiscent of what LeBron James was speaking to in terms of racism and how it still affects us no matter who we are. Nas is a platinum-selling rapper. He's one of the greatest rappers of all time, one of the greatest recording artists who, who's ever breathed into a microphone, and he's built a cachet of, of clout for himself over the years within the music industry. Millions of dollars, lives in a fancy home and what have you. But even through all of that, as a 40-plus-year-old man, black man, mind you, he still sees the effects of racism and what they can do to somebody. And he speaks from the perspective of someone who has gone through racism and someone who is quite possibly going through racism right now. It can happen to anybody. And that's just kind of a shot to what we were just previously talking about. But going to what we're currently talking about right now, he is right. Trump is a racist and we have – or. America, rather, I should say, because we're in Canada, uh, America has a racist in office. And he's not covert about his racism at all. You know, George Bush was covert about his racism. That doesn't make it right, but he was covert about it. So at least, you know, with Bush, and I'm talking about George Bush Jr., I don't really know too much about Singer, but with George Bush uh, Jr., he was very covert about his racism. Therefore, he was keeping face of somebody who was just in office. But whereas Trump you know, is concerned. He is extremely transparent about his racism. So it's not like he's trying to hide it in any way, shape, or form. The man is saying, build a wall around Mexico, or I don't like women, or something to that extent. It's like, you guys fully, fully, full out know that you have a racist in office, and you are condoning it. You guys voted for him. I mean, whether it was the people, or it was the Electoral College, the man is still in in the White House. And the funny thing is, if you're talking about the votes between like the people, uh, the people of America, the votes weren't that far off between him and him and, uh, and uh, Clinton. They're, they're about 47, 40, uh, 48% even with one another. And as far as the Electoral College, you know, well, we already know the history behind that. So it's like even if the Electoral College wasn't a factor, you still have a large percentage of people in America voting for Trump despite his racist and sexist rhetoric. So what does that really mean, or sorry, what does that really speak to the people of America then, if that's the case? I mean, it's no, it's no secret that America was built on racism and that the foundations of it still apply to this day. But the fact that so many people stood up and said, yeah, vote for this racist prick to be in office. I mean, it's disappointing, man. And, and just... And it kind of makes me, and I don't want to sound petty or anything like that, but it just makes me thankful that I live in Canada. And not to say that we're exempt from racism, because trust me, I've experienced racism before, 
a lot of people have in this nation. Like, we're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But the extreme amount of racism that they go through in, in comparison to us, I mean, Jesus. I My heart goes out to people of color in America, man. That's all I got to say on that matter. But in regards to this, what do you guys think? As you already know, hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio to share your thoughts. Uh, next topic we got to go to. Speaking of, you know, Nas being, you know, all-time great, uh, we got to go to Migos and Lil Yachty. Now, I'm not referring to them as all-time greats. No, 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 no. However, they did reveal their picks for the GOAT, or as we all say in popular culture, greatest of all time as the acronym. So they're doing an interview uh, with the NME's Band vs. Band series, uh, an online series. And they basically gave their picks for the greatest of all time. So a lot of them were kind of floating around Andre 3000, Kendrick Lamar, and Jay-Z. So Offset, who is a member of Migos, picked Andre 3000, and I think that has to do with the whole Atlantic collection. Uh, uh, sorry, connection, pardon me. Um, and then Takeoff, another member of Migos, responded by saying that Kendrick Lamar is, in fact, the greatest rapper of all time. And Lil Yachty agreed with that. And Quavo was adamant for saying that Jay-Z is the greatest rapper of all time. And this is what Quavo said about the matter, actually. He said, and I quote, My man's Jay-Z is the greatest rapper right now, bro. Straight up. You can't mess with Jay when it's time to come play. And on some real shit. It took me a couple of years to grow and understand that Jay is the guy. I didn't understand that shit when I was in 11th grade, 12th grade. I didn't understand it. So, I am actually in somewhat of a, a more, I more understand their picks. Um, as far as who I agree with the most, I'd probably say Quavo. Because out of everyone in, in their selection pool, Jay-Z has the most clout and the most cachet for that greatest rapper of all time, uh, Monocle. Or Mantle, rather. I don't know why I said Monocle. Um, as far as Andre 3000 is concerned, as great and as talented of a lyricist that he is and as an artist overall and how abstract that he is, I can't give him that title because of the fact that he was in a group. So if I'm giving him the title of greatest rapper of all time, then I got to go back to other group, other rappers who are group members as well. So I got to go back to, like let's say, Ghostface Killer. Or, or Q-Tip of a Tribe Called Quest, or Chuck D of Public Enemy. I got to go to those guys and list off their accomplishments, even though they have don't have as many solo projects to their name. Mind you, Ghostface has like seven, so that's pretty good. But nonetheless, they were originally group members, so I would have to go back into that bag of tricks and, and kind of dig in the crate, so to speak. And as far as Kendrick Lamar is concerned, it's too soon for me to call him the greatest rapper of all time, like the number one greatest rapper of all time. Does he deserve to be in the conversation as greatest rapper of all time? Yes, he does, because as I've said in past in the past broadcast of Cool Radio, the man has four damn near flawless albums at this point. He has Section 80, Good Kid, Mad City, Jepemba Butterfly, and now Damn. No rapper in the history of hip-hop has ever had a four album run, a four consecutive album run that has been that has at the very least been good. He's never had an okay album. He's never had a bad album. He's never had a flop of any kind. Like he's always been critically acclaimed. Maybe in terms of sales, Section 80 didn't sell as well because he was an indie rapper at the time and the indie market wasn't as flourishing as it is now. But beyond that, there's really no blemish to his game. So as Currently constructed right now, he's the greatest rapper of this generation, I would say. But of all time, he still needs a bit more time in that regard. 
Um, and then, you know, and then that basically leaves Jay-Z. Jay-Z's been in the game since, technically since 88, but he put out his first album in 96. So 20 years in the game for talking albums. Uh, he's had two undeniable classics, one debatable classic. Um, he's collaborated with some of the greatest that you could think of. He's done so much to transcend uh, beyond hip-hop. I mean, he's become a mogul in that regard. Uh, he sold out so many concerts and arenas. He sold so many albums, you know, which which would explain his reach and what have you. He's gone beyond the spectrum of hip-hop in, in the sense that he's now become a household name to anyone who doesn't know hip-hop but knows who Jay-Z is. So there's so many things that encompass him as being the greatest rapper of all time. Um, my personal favorite rapper of all time, just my personal favorite, sentimental favorite, would be Nas. But if I had to be completely objective, I would probably have to say that Jay-Z may very well be the greatest rapper of all time. It's very possible. Um, I know all the Tupac fans may disagree. For me, Tupac is the most influential rapper of all time. And as far as Biggie is concerned, two albums isn't enough for me. It's not enough. I'm sorry. At least with Tupac, he had at least five albums before he died. And then he had a string of posthumous albums uh, after his death. So it is what it is in that regard. But nonetheless, I think... All these gentlemen, you know, for the type of music that they do, especially, and for even some of the flack that they've gotten from some of the purists and fans alike, um, I agree with their picks. I agree with their picks. What do you guys think? Do you guys agree with their picks or not? Uh, hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool and let me know. And finally, on Trip Talk, man, this one is very interesting. So this one has to do a rich homie Quan. Now, I'm not a huge fan of his music. I've barely heard any of his songs before, but he's part of that new Ratchet Ratchet Turnover crowd. It is what it is. But um, he is actually facing up to 30 years in prison. And that is mainly because of the fact that he had narcotics on him. So it was mainly just marijuana. But because he had the marijuana on him, uh, he was basically charged with felony with a felony possession and intent to distribute. Now, I'm not sure exactly how much weed he had on them. Um, it actually doesn't say the, the quantity, but normally when rappers are carrying weed on them, it's just for them and maybe their, their, um, their, their crew, I guess, their, their entire crew of people that they're with. So that may be the loophole that they throw in there when it comes to distribute because they're sharing it amongst their, their inner circle. But either way... I'm looking at what he did and what the law is according to Georgia State. To me, the crime doesn't add up to the time, literally and figuratively. I mean, the guy is being charged for selling weed and all that other stuff. And basically, I think uh, that it's not it, – it doesn't add up. It just does not add up. Like the man is being charged – for selling weed and what have you or or being in possession of it. And that's fine to be charged for if it's not a legal law or a legal drug. But at the end of the day, to charge him or to convict him for 30 years in prison, there are, I remember that kid who raped that girl in college, and he got off in six months. His original sentence was a year, but he got off in six months, all because the judge said, oh, well, I don't want him to go through a hard life in prison because his life after that might be difficult. Mind you, this is a white kid. You mean to tell me that if a black kid got that same sentence, he would have gotten that same, that same time? Hell no. It's all a race thing. It's all a cultural thing. So I think, you know, Georgia really needs to lighten up on that, and I don't think that he should be getting 30 years in prison. Say what you want about his music, but 30 years in prison for, for some weed? 
It's not like this guy was running a drug cartel selling uh, heroin and, and crack cocaine. Like this, the man was, the man had weed. And he was going to share it with his homies. It's not that serious, and that just speaks to the uh, the the stigma of marijuana in America. But that's another story for another day. But nonetheless, what do you guys think? Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio. But right now, it's time for the throwback or sorry, the flashback Friday track of the day. And I'm feeling some Wu-Tang right now. So man, and it's summertime, so I got to give it to my man Raekwon the Chef featuring Method Man and uh, Ghostface Killer and Capadonna. And this is Ice Cream. And we'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. You're listening to Maximum FM Hip Hop. Uh, yes, yes, y'all, indeed. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it is your man, DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. That was Raekwon featuring Method Man, uh, Ghostface Killer, and Capadonna with the 1995 classic ice cream straight off of his Only Built for Cuban Links album. As you all know, certified classic. And that's definitely a classic summertime tune as well. I'll be looking forward to hearing that more often. But nonetheless, we have come to the conclusion of the show. But before we even get to that conclusion... I got to leave you guys off on, you know, somewhat of a, you know, a sour note, but not too sour because at the end of the day, I'm here to kind of sweeten the things and just kind of make it fun for you. So on that note, it is that moment that you've been waiting for. Who has been entered into the shallowed hall of fame this week? Shallow walls of hall of shame, rather, this week. Who has been crowned the captain of coonery? Besides Jason Whitlock, of course. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the Wankster of the Week. This week's Wankster of the Week, and this is a a collection of Wanksters all in one unit, I should say. This week's Wankster of the Week goes to the directors, producers, showrunners, cast, and crew of the new reality show that is entitled, and I kid you not, Cool Cats and Cool Kittens. The Real Side Chicks of Charlotte. For those who are hearing impaired, let me repeat that one more time. In case you didn't hear that or in case you were just blindsided by the shock of what I just said. The Real Side Chicks of Charlotte. Not the Real Housewives. Not Basketball Wives. Not Love and Hip Hop. Not Flavor of Love. Rock of Love. Love for Money. But the Real... They actually put side chicks in the title, ladies and gentlemen. The real side chicks of Charlotte. I'm surprised they're not doing it in New York or whatever, but I guess they want to start off with a small market and see how that does. And if it capitalizes, then, you know, they'll move on to a bigger market like Chicago or L.A. or whatever. But nonetheless, I digress. So I caught wind of this on Facebook, and I thought this was like some sort of like Photoshop job. But apparently it's real. And it's real because you know it's real when Rihanna comments about it. So, Rihanna, this is what she said on an Instagram post. And I don't look to her as a source of news. But nonetheless, she was communicating with somebody named Tanisha Thomas. I'm guessing she's a producer of the show. I could be wrong. But nonetheless, this is what she said. Tell me this is real, bruh. TV can't be getting this good, B. What did we do to deserve this? Yes, Rihanna. Indeed. What did we do to deserve this? What did we do to deserve this BS that is now 
infiltrating our airwaves. See, this is the reason why people don't watch cable anymore. This is the reason why people watch Netflix, they watch Hulu, they watch Amazon, they watch on-demand television because they don't want to be bothered by 60 minutes of bullshit that's followed up with commercials about how to get a man or how to find your match using some bullshit app or anything of the sort. But no, we got to be subjected to this. Now, there's more to this as well. Um, so there's all these cast members, and I swear to God, these women... They don't look. Um, listen, I don't want to. I don't want to body shame or like shame anyone or anything like that. Like I, Lord knows, I'm not God's gift to women, but Jesus Christ, these look like the women who didn't make the final cut off of Love and Hip Hop or Basketball Wives. So they're like, you know what? Let's get all these blue ribbon, you know, D-list players and put them all on one show. Like one chick looks like she hasn't seen a facial scrub in like a month, and then you have another one who looks like she just turned 19. And then, of course, you have the token white girl who thinks she's down with the brothers and the sisters. Um, the, I don't know how long the show is going to last. I hope it dies a slow and agonizing death. I hope it doesn't even make it past episode three. Um, but this looks like a hot mess. And when you look at it, it almost makes you wonder. Flavor of Love wasn't so bad. It was entertaining. It was the first of its kind. But No. We have a show entitled The Real Side Chicks of Charlotte. They were even doing like a radio interview and none of them had a problem with the name Side Chick. They owned it, actually. They, I mean, sure, live your truth, as I've said in many times before. But how in the hell are you going to have pride knowing that you married somebody, you, you ruined somebody else's marriage? Mind you, the, the, spouse, the spouse in question took part in that as well. But how are you going to glorify it? This is like your typical rapper talking about how he sells guns, he sells dope, he sells drugs and all that stuff, and, and laughs about it. This is the same shit. And now we got six skeezers, sorry, seven skeezers sharing camera time with one another, talking about how they're spending this guy's money while ruining their marriage all at the same time. And they're just in the side, laying in the cut, waiting in the motel room, waiting for the man in question to drop some dick on them, along with some cab money, and calling in a day. And taking pride in that. I don't understand. None of this makes sense to me whatsoever. And because of that, I've got to give it the wanks of the week, not only for setting the bar to a new low for people to aspire to, but because of the fact that we are now going to be witnessing yet another decade of bullshit on TV, and they have the audacity to name a reality. Do you, the cast, crew, members, directors, producers, and organizers of the real side chicks, I can't believe I'm saying that, of Charlotte, deserve this collective wankster? Of course you do. I'm going to drop it on you guys one more time. I'm going to do it for the culture. Just like this. I, I can't even begin to deal right now. My God. Oh, man, America. Oh, freaking America. Oh, God. You, oh, oh, Canada. I love Canada. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that, that wraps up another Friday night edition of Cool Radio. I want to thank y'all for tuning in, as you normally do on a weekly basis. Uh, we may have a guest on next week's show. I'll kind of keep down the low for now until I know some further details. But make sure you keep it locked, as you always do. Make sure you hit us hit us up on Twitter, at Cool underscore Radio. Hit up the SoundCloud page to catch all full episodes like this one at 
uh, soundcloud.com slash cool underscore radio. Hit us on hit us up on YouTube at youtube.com slash cool radio CC. And also hit us up on uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash cool radio CC. And I've been, you know, been requested to make an Instagram account for it. Like I have my general Instagram account that I post that stuff on there, but other stuff as well. But I'm listening to you people and I hear you and I understand. And you know, I am considering making an Instagram account just for that and that alone. So make sure you keep your eyes peeled on uh, for that, and I'll have more details for that as it continues to follow. But nonetheless, I want to thank you for tuning in. And just so you all know, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are out here creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace.